Okay, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. We will start in, uh, in verse 1. This is a psalm of David. It says, I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So this is a psalm of David. Um, it's a psalm of really David's um, commitment to the Lord to, to walk in integrity. Uh, the word perfect that shows up in this psalm in verse 2, um, twice in verse 2, you see it again in verse um, 6. Uh, the word perfect there could be translated integrity as far as uh, the way we would understand that word. Um, now this is a psalm that is written by David who is a king over God's people. He's exercising authority over others. And so um, this psalm, as far as the way David is speaking here, um, it applies to David in a way that it would not apply to us. So for instance... Verse 8 wouldn't be our theme verse. I will early destroy all the wicked. You know, that's not going to be something that you're going to be applying um, to the world that you live in right now. Uh, so we, we, we're not going to apply it exactly the way David applied it. Uh, but we can apply the greater principle of walking in integrity uh, to our own lives. And so I want to look at the psalm. Um, and I want to look at it by way of just the um, um, the illustration of, or maybe I should say the observation of the way of integrity. The way of integrity. Um, that is just simply living a life that is consistent, that is intentional about um, uh, the way that you live, the way that you behave, reflecting uh, the things that you believe or the things that you embrace or endorse. So really, we're thinking also about in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, walking worthy, right? Our profession weighing as much as our life. Um, so the way of integrity. I just want to make four or five observations here about the way of integrity. Uh, number one, 
Um, and this is, uh, before I even start on the observations, uh, this is such an important topic, and it's a topic that has really kind of gone by the wayside as far as the culture that we live in, the world that we live in, and even in the world of Christianity, this has gone by the wayside. Um, you, It's not an uncommon thing for you to hear um, of pastors left and right who are disqualified, who are who are caught up in scandals, whose life is anything but a life of integrity. Um, same thing as far as Christians go. That usually doesn't make the news, but um, there there is a legitimate side to people who roll their eyes at the thought of. Uh, or the announcement that someone is a Christian. Christians have gained a reputation. Some that's, uh, you know, some of this is not fair. Some of it is plenty fair uh, of people who do a whole lot of talking and not a whole lot of doing, uh, whose lives do not reflect the commitments that they um, profess. And so this integrity or this idea of integrity, we looked at it a good bit whenever we were in the book of Daniel. Daniel was a man of integrity. His witness was um, a, a great witness, a, a light in Babylon. That was one of the themes we kept going back to in Daniel. And so if you want to be an effective Christian, this really piggybacks very well off of the Sunday morning message, uh, vessels fit for the master's use. If you want to be a vessel that's fit for the master's use, you're going to have to be a man or a woman of integrity. And so this gives us, um, again, as we uh, make some observations, uh, we're going to look at some principles about the way of integrity. So principle number one, as far as a life to where your, your actions weigh as much as your profession, integrity. Uh, number one, you're going to have to have some pre-planned commitments. Okay? You will never accidentally stumble upon a life of integrity. Uh, you're, you're going to have to cultivate your own convictions and your own commitments ahead of time. Notice the language in this psalm. There's a lot of psalms where you see this, but David says in verse 1, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord. I will sing. Verse 2, I will behave myself wisely. Verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Um, verse 4b, I will not know a wicked person. Uh, we could go, um, verse 8, I will early destroy all the wicked. Now, none of these things are happening present tense. These are things that David has already thought about. These are things that David has already committed himself to. And David says, I know that I'm going to do these things because I have thought about your word, I have weighed your word, I've thought about my actions, I've thought about my life, and I've cultivated some convictions, some commitments that no matter what else is going on, I know this is going to be what guides the way that I live my life. So all of the I will statements. Notice Psalm 119, verse 59. Psalm 119, just a couple of pages over. We're getting close to Psalm 119 in our study of the Psalms. Psalm 119, verse 59, 
He says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. That's one of those verses we could easily just gloss over, pass over, and not put much thought into it. But that really is a verse that, that there's some tremendous insight here. I thought on my ways, and then what? And, and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. See, there was some planning going on here. There was some meditation. There was some thinking. He intentionally turned his feet to go the way of the Lord's testimonies. And he did that after he, number one, knew the word, and number two, pondered on his own ways. So pre-planned commitment is going to be a part of integrity. What are you going to do when fill in the blank? Again, you're not going to accidentally slip into this. It's something that you've got to be intentional about. We think about this, and I mean, I'm just thinking about some concrete things. People who, um, people who are um, consistent in their church attendance, that's based off of commitment, not accident. You rearrange your week on Wednesdays and Sundays to make sure you're in the house of God. You don't decide... Wednesday at the supper table, whether or not you're coming. Okay? If you left it up to that, more than likely you'd never make it. But most of you, I would probably say all of you knew on Sunday that you were going to be here on Wednesday, vice versa. On Sunday, you don't wait until breakfast before you decide whether or not you're coming to church. That's just a built-in commitment. When the house of God is open and we are coming and gathering together to worship the Lord, we're going to be here. Honestly, I mean, sometimes, you know, things come up and, and things that you that are not planned for and you can't help that sort of a thing. But more than likely, the majority of you made it here tonight without even thinking about it. You didn't have a discussion with your spouse. You, you, you didn't you didn't try to pre-plan or you didn't try to plan the, the nitty gritty details of how everything was going to work out. You just knew you were coming. Okay, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. The commitment, the conviction that's already built in. Or we could say the same thing about your, uh, your time in Scripture. We could say the same thing about what you do when you're here as far as your focus and the amount of serving that you do among the, the body. We could say the same thing about the way that you conduct yourself and so forth and so on. Not just here, but anywhere. It's these pre-planned commitments that you build into your life. On some level, a person who walks in integrity is a person that has learned discipline. Those two things are going to go hand in hand. I don't mean that you have to have a calendar and all your tasks written down for the day. I do mean you've cultivated some godly disciplines into your life to where they've just become part of who you are and what you do. So pre-planned commitments. Taking the time to build those convictions in so that no matter what else is going on, you know these things are going to get done. These things are going to be priorities. Okay, Number two, life of integrity begins in the heart. Life of integrity begins in the heart. Look at verse 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way or in, an, in, in a way of integrity. Oh, 
When wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Or that is, I will walk or behave in my house with a heart of integrity. We go here often, particularly when we're in the Psalms, and we'll go here again, at least I'll reference it, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Um, the importance of keeping your heart, guarding your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. So integrity is not just rearranging your outward behaviors. A life of integrity has to do with what you love. I mean, notice how he starts this psalm off. I will sing of mercy. That is Hesed, God's covenant love. I will sing of mercy and judgment or justice. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. David loves God's covenant love, his Hesed love. David loves God's justice. And so what does that mean? That means that David begins to rearrange his life in such a way that's consistent with that which he loves. I love your ways, so what? I'm going to walk in them. I love your covenant mercies, your love toward your people. And so I want to walk in a way that will allow me to enjoy those Enjoy your fellowship. Enjoy your blessings. So, integrity begins with, with the heart. So, things like, what do you want most in your life? What do you want most in life? That's going to determine a lot of what you do. These, other little, these questions are very similar. What do you treasure? What are you living for? Where are your ambitions and aspirations? So, well, there's a lot of different ways you could answer those questions, and, and there are, but really the getting at what are you living for? Again, this idea of what are you rearranging the rest of your life around? 2 Corinthians 5.9 is another one of those passages that we quote often where Paul says, whether in life or in death, he makes it his aim to please Christ. That's what he wants to do. Whatever the circumstance that he's in, verse 15, he realizes that uh, because the love of God constrains him, he's now living for the one who died for him. Why? Because he loves him. You're going to live for whoever you're loving or whatever you're loving. Fill in the blank on that. So number one, integrity is a pre-planned commitment. Number two, integrity begins in the heart. Number three, integrity leads to a pattern of wise behavior. Okay, when we're thinking about integrity as it relates to biblical wisdom and biblical living, integrity is going to lead to a pattern of wise behavior. Look in James chapter three. James chapter 3, verse 13, he asked, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show it out of, good, out of a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. So James asked the question, Who's a wise among you? Who's endued with knowledge? 
And the answer to that is, whoever it is, let him show it out of a good conversation or a good manner of life. Wise people live in wise ways. They make wise decisions. Their life is patterned after wisdom. And it's not just wisdom is not just what's in your head. It's not just your ability to to think and discern for thinking and discerning sake. It's your ability to think and discern for the sake of living in a way that is consistent with godliness. Okay, so who is wise? Let him show it. This is an outward thing. This is a behavioral thing. And so it begins in the heart, but what starts in the heart works its way out into your behavior, the way that you live, the decisions you make. So in Psalm 101, he says, verse 2, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way or in a way of integrity. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. A pattern of wise behavior. We see in verses 2 and 3, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. We see, first of all, as far as this pattern of wise behavior, it's a pattern of wise behavior that shows up both in private and in public. David says, I'm going to walk or I'm going to behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I'm going to walk within my house with a perfect heart. So here's a question that we ought to consider. Do people in your house... People who live in your house, do they get the same version of you as everybody else in your life? Now, when I'm saying that, I'm not saying are you more relaxed when you're at home or are you able to kind of let your hair down when you're at home? That's fine. I'm asking, does your does your moral compass completely change when you get home? Do your standards completely fly out the window when you get home? Do you become an individual who's completely disinterested in the front that you put on in public when you get home? The people who know us the closest, the people who see us in close quarters really do know the the real us, don't they? Now, obviously, there's going to be some things different when you're at home. When I'm at home, I I cut up a lot in a way that would probably not be appropriate here and and in other places. Uh, That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm at home, my standards don't change. At least I don't think they do. You can ask Abby. She may, she may get me on that one. When we're at home, if we have integrity, they certainly shouldn't. We shouldn't have one standard when folks are looking and another standard when they're not. This is part of what David's saying. As a ruler, as a king, I'm, I want to live, I want to behave myself in a way that displays integrity. Do we practice what we preach? That's integrity. Now, we'll get to this for the last point, but we're not talking about perfection here. We're just talking about having a standard. And having a standard that's a real standard. So that if we get on to other people for using filthy language, when we get off to ourselves when there's not a lot of people around, are we using filthy language? When we get on to people and talk about the wickedness of immorality and so forth and so on, when we are 
to ourselves? Are we indulging in that? Or do our close family members know that we really don't mean a word we're saying whenever we have an audience? It's just a show. So a life of integrity is going to lead to a pattern of wise behavior. Fourth, this psalm is really, the bulk of the psalm is made up of this. A life of integrity is going to avoid and pursue. Okay, A life of integrity is going to avoid and pursue. So there are things to avoid and there are things to pursue. Verses 3 through 5, we see that David has already made a commitment that he's going to avoid some things. Verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Now, I think it's important to understand when David's talking about this, David is referring to those who will be with him ruling over Israel. He's talking about his close confidants. He's talking about the people that he will surround himself with for influence and for um, help. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to surround myself with with evil influences. This goes all... We talked about this again on Sunday. The messages go uh, hand in hand. But this theme of evil influences, it goes all the way back to Psalm 1, as far as the way the Psalms start. Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Person of integrity is going to realize that there are some influences that I do not need in my life, and I need to flee those. Now, I'm I'm just going to put some specific applications on some of these. This is not what David meant by it, as far as although he would certainly apply it this way. But as far as applying these things in our own life, verse three, he says, "I'm not going to set any wicked thing before my eyes." So if we're avoiding things, one of the things that we can think of and one of the things that we ought to be thinking of avoiding when it comes to ungodliness uh, and things that would influence us is ungodly entertainment. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Any generation could say this as far as entertainment goes, but um, certainly our generation is anything but exempt. Uh, It's hard to watch anything in the entertainment world without being bombarded with a homosexual agenda, without being bombarded with wickedness and vileness, without being bombarded with violence, without being bombarded with just base ungodliness. You say, well, it's just the world we live in. No, no, it's not. That's just what we're choosing to entertain ourselves with. It's not as if we have to do that. We say, well, what's what's the harm of one? What's the harm of one movie? What's the harm of one 
song or track or whatever. Well, you know, one movie might not do much. 30 years worth of movies might. One song might not do much. 15, 20, 30, 40 years might. I think I told you, I can't remember the name now, but philosopher said a while back, it's been a long, again, I can't remember the details, but he made this statement. Let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who makes the laws. That's somebody who had it figured out. Let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who writes its laws. You see, sometimes we get so naive about thinking that what we're letting into our minds is not affecting our hearts. We become so naive about how desensitized we can become to things that God just hates. Laughing at things that God will one day judge. Or even not noticing things. Sometimes people say, you know, I just I just don't even notice that anymore. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. I will not put any wicked thing before my eyes. Now, a person of integrity doesn't wait on mom or dad or brother and sister in the church here or there to come along and say, Hey, wait a second, you've got to clean up your act. A person of integrity who says, I'm not going to put any wicked thing before my eyes is going to have a pre-committed standard of what I can watch, what I can listen to, and what I cannot. And it's not for any other reason of, you know, we're talking about can and can't. It's, I can't do this in good conscience. You know, one of the things I've, I've said for years in private and a little bit public how do you know what to watch and what you can't watch? Well, a pretty good gauge is this. If you could invite Jesus Christ to sit on your couch and watch a show or movie with you, you're probably okay. But if you would blush, if you knew he were sitting beside you, you probably ought not be watching. Same thing with your music. Same thing with anything else. Now, some of you wish I wouldn't have said that. It'd be a lot easier if I could just give you a rating, right? But again, integrity starts with the heart. And the purpose of it is not to try to be some self-righteous person who's better than everybody else. The purpose is I want to please the Lord. I don't want my mind and heart being washed in that which the Lord hates. And so I'm going to avoid that. Secondly, and this is really where David is focusing here, it's, it's ungodly relationships or relationships with ungodly people. Now, when I say relationships, I'm talking the same way we talked on Sunday. I'm talking about companionships, people that you are knit together with. Okay? You live in an ungodly world. You can't help but being around ungodly people. You can be cordial and you can be kind and you can have... Uh, some relationships, and you should have some relationships with uh, people who are not Christians. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about you being companions, knitting yourself together, putting yourself in the circle of influence of ungodly people. 2 Corinthians 6.14 is 
where we find the this is a familiar passage for all of us that the command is that you be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, that yoke there that is the same thing that we were talking about with companion. It's a being knit together with. And that is we put ourselves in a position to where a companion of fools will be destroyed. We put ourselves in a position where evil communications corrupt good manners. And so integrity, a life of integrity, is going to avoid relationships, companionships might be the better way to say it, companionships with ungodly people, having ungodly people brought into our inner circle to where we're being influenced by them. So things to avoid. Uh, again, you can you can read the, the psalm and you can see that. Verse 4, A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. David is pretty specific about what he's going to avoid here. But then there's some things to pursue, right? Some things to pursue, verse 6. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Now David here is talking about what we would think of as political cabinet, but here we're thinking about influences, relationships. So what should we be pursuing? Well, the flip side of what we said earlier, we ought to be pursuing relationships with godly people. We ought to be pursuing meaningful relationships with godly people. He who walks with wise men shall be wise. Right? There's, there's a positive and a negative to that verse. And so we ought to be intentional about who we bring into or when I say inner circle, I just mean the circle of people who are going to influence us, the circle of people who we're going to go to, that we're going to um, allow to speak into our lives. Secondly, as far as godly influences and relationships, we're pursuing those things. But secondly, and this is something that we see again from even from verse 1 in Psalm 101, we ought to be pursuing joy in the Lord. You ought to be pursuing joy in the Lord. A life of integrity is not a life of misery. A life of integrity is not a life of just dry, boring, drab days. A life of integrity is a life that is filled with joy in the Lord. I'm, I'm walking in His ways. His Word is my delight. I'm bringing forth fruit in, in, in its season, or the Lord is producing fruit in me. It's that abundant life that Christ said He came to give His people. It's not some sort of a plastic mannequin that looks holy all the time. It's a person who's living under the rule and reign of the Lord and enjoying Him. So think about a couple of passages here. Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verse 
11. Psalm 16, 11. Thou will show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Again, David's talking about integrity. So about the same thing we're talking about in, in Psalm 101. Lord, you'll show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. There's pleasures at your right hand. And so as we're thinking about godly influences, we could also call that godly fellowship. We could call it fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with the Lord's people. And that ought to be something that leads to joy and leads to rejoicing and it is something that'll lead to that if we if we understand it notice again in psalm 33 thinking about pursuing joy in the lord some of this is just going to be commit being committed to a life of praise of rejoicing in the Lord. Psalm 33, verse 1 Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright, or that is, praise is appropriate. Again, verse 21 of the same psalm um, For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. So, joy, rejoicing in the Lord. So, integrity avoids. Avoids evil influences, integrity pursues godliness and godly influences. And so we see back in Psalm 101 that the psalm ends with uh, more of what David's going to avoid in verse 7. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Here's an observation. David set a high bar for himself. And David didn't hit it. Right? He didn't hit it. He did very well. But ultimately, when you look at the last half of David's life, he fails his standard he lays out here multiple times. Then you have Solomon, the wisest man Aside from Christ, whoever lived, and again, he didn't hit it. He did not hit it. And so like David, like Solomon, you are not going to perfectly or consistently live up to these kinds of standards. And because this is the case, we've got to be committed to a couple of things. When we think about a life of integrity, as it relates to life in Christ, we've got to be committed to a couple of things. Number one, you've got to be committed to resting in the righteousness of Christ. Your integrity is not you building up your acceptance with God. It's not you proving to yourself or proving to God that you belong. Your life of integrity is you and, um, and really engaging and living out that Romans 12 living sacrifice. It's you being conformed to the image of His Son because you love Him. Not because you're trying to get Him to love you or not because you're trying to get God to, to uh, uh, think positive or treat you in a way that uh, would be different. We've got to rest in the righteousness of Christ so that we can hold those high standards and not be completely deflated when we don't hit them. 
So 1 John 1, 9, if we're going to be resting in the righteousness of Christ, we're going to be regularly confessing our sin before the Lord. And then second, Proverbs 24, 16, says the righteous man falls seven times. Okay, the word seven there is just a number for completion. It just means a righteous man falls a lot. But you know what? He gets back up. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And so, brothers and sisters, again, the life of integrity is not a life of perfection. It's a life that's aiming toward the second the second commitment is is growing in the holiness of Christ. Right? We want to be Christ like we want to we want to live in the kind of integrity that David lays out here. But but we're not putting all of our eggs in the basket of our own performance when we fall. When we fail, when we need to be corrected, when we when we um, need to even recalibrate our standard, we're resting in the righteousness of Christ because we're trusting in him and what he has done on our behalf so that we can walk in integrity before our father whom we love because why? Because we love his Hesed. We love His covenant love, His covenant loyalty. We love His justice. And we know that mercy and justice meet in the person of Jesus Christ, right? And so we rest in Him, and then we strive to be like Him. And so a life of integrity, or the way of integrity. Again, it's a life of pre-planned commitments and convictions. It begins in the heart, leads to a pattern of wise behavior. It avoids evil influences. It pursues godly influences. And then it's maintained as we rest in the righteousness of Christ and pursue the holiness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we do um, pray that you would bless us to be men and women of integrity. And we also pray that you would bless us to want to be men and women of integrity for the right reasons. Lord, I pray it would not be for self-righteousness. I pray it would not be for self-improvement just so we could feel better about ourselves or, or exalt ourselves above others. But Father, I pray that we would seek to be men and women of integrity because you have called us to be lights in a dark world. Uh, Lord, you've called us to be uh, your witnesses, your ambassadors. And so I pray that our behavior, our life, our, uh, the way that we live would weigh as much as our profession. Father, I pray we would. Uh, do that all while trusting and resting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I pray that when we fall down, we would get back up, that we would trust in your mercies, trust in your promises, trust in your grace, and that we might be invigorated to pursue holiness even more to your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.